Chapter Three, Part Two of Pleasure Cycling by Henry Clyde. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, Part Two. While the stoop is to be avoided upon reasonably level ground, a leaning position has obviously its place in hill climbing. This will be evident when it is considered that in mounting a hill the centre of gravity of the load is necessarily thrown back towards the axle of the rear wheel, thus increasing the difficulty of propulsion. To counteract this, it is as natural for the rider to lean forward as it is for the pedestrian walking up a steep hill. At the same time, you will as naturally keep a somewhat firmer grasp than usual of your handlebar, both to support yourself and to prevent the forward wheel from wobbling, which it will have a tendency to do if relieved from part of its ordinary load. At times, you will brace yourself by a strong upward pull on the handlebar. As you will naturally lean forward in ascending a hill, so you will lean backward in running down a steep declivity. The elements of success in hill climbing are, first, good legs and lungs, secondly, knack, and thirdly, confidence. Each rider must be a law to himself as to the way in which he will attack his hills. Some take a strong spurt at the foot of the hill and depend on it to carry them up others work themselves up at a slow pace by sheer strength of leg muscle. You will find that mounting the same hill grows easier and easier the oftener it is done, and that a new hill will often get the better of you, although in fact you have again and again ridden easily up harder hills. You will of course gain something by zigzagging a very steep ascent. The actual muscular effort necessary to ascend an acclivity on a bicycle is generally not greater than that required in walking up the same hill, and the expenditure of breath is less. The difference is, and this makes the difficulty in hill climbing, that, when walking, you may stop for rest when you choose, whereas on your wheel, working up a steep hill, if you stop you may be unable to get a new start, and so may be forced to walk to the top of the hill. If a hill distresses you, do not be ashamed to dismount and walk. You are riding for pleasure, not to make a record. With each week of riding, you will find the work easier, and will smile to think how many a hill difficulty, which appalled you in the beginning, has seemed to level itself before your flying wheel but there are many steep and stony or sandy hills up which you should never attempt to force either yourself or your machine. A high-grade bicycle is a wonderfully strong and trustworthy machine for its weight, but it was built to be used only by reasonable beings, and if you are a good and well-practiced rider, you may be sure that you should never drive your machine across ground to get over which distresses yourself i do not refer to very long hills on good roads where of course the endurance of the machine will outlast that of its rider a twenty-eight inch wheel running at a ten-mile gait makes seven thousand two hundred forty revolutions per hour one hundred twenty and two-thirds revolutions per minute or two point zero one revolutions each second Supposing the weight sustained by the two axle bearings to be 165 pounds, 
this is distributed between the two bearings in about the ratio of one-third and two-thirds the rear axle carrying the greater weight that is one hundred ten pounds and the front axle fifty-five pounds footnote this assumes that the saddle is carried well forward as it is pushed backward the proportionate weight imposed on the rear bearing is of course increased and footnote the proportion of weight sustained by the rear axle is of course increased in hill climbing the strain which the rear bearing and spokes have to stand is obviously very great even in level roading not only do the bearings carry weight in the proportion stated but the motive power is applied to the machine not by a front traction as in a vehicle drawn by a horse but directly to the axle of the wheel so that each spoke becomes the long arm of a lever of which the radius of the rear sprocket is the short arm at the end of which the power is applied to raise the weight that is the load made up of the machine and its rider it is to throw the strain of the lift as much as possible into a straight pull lengthwise through the spoke that the admirable tangential arrangement of the spokes has been devised and applied to all the high-grade machines on a level road the momentum of the moving machine helps the wheel but on an acclivity the wheel has both to carry its load and to overcome the force of gravity which drags it backward it is no wonder that spokes in sound wheels have been known to snap like twigs at the fellows under the weight of a heavy rider driving his machine up a hard hill and that such accidents are not more common shows the perfection to which the bicycle manufacturer has attained you will be told at the riding schools to look always straight ahead in riding and never at the road in front of your wheel this advice is sound theoretically but it is not always possible to follow it on ordinary country roads sharp stones little ruts sand or water holes bits of broken glass lie everywhere in wait for you and you will learn with practice to avoid them almost instinctively by a turn of the hand while in the beginning if you fixed your eyes on a pebble ahead of you you would be sure by the force of some mysterious attraction to run your wheel over it soon you will be able to graze it by a hair's breadth on either hand without touching it keep then an easy outlook upon the road about thirty feet in front of you and still farther ahead if you are riding a bad road over which you have to pick a path for your wheel avoid watching your front wheel it will take care of itself and watching it will tend to make you giddy or confused if you do not carry a brake do not attempt coasting until you have acquired the fullest confidence in yourself and thorough control over your machine without the brake the only means of checking speed is by braking with the foot which is an ineffectual resource besides being injurious to the tires or backpedaling to make which effective on a steep grade requires great muscular effort in coasting not only have you to look out for possible collisions but the frame of a lightweight machine cannot be put to a severer test than it suffers in a run say at a twenty-mile gait down a long hill the best place for the feet of the ordinary rider in his first season is on the pedals and the worst cycling accidents recorded 
have occurred to riders coasting without brakes or in the night to check speed in coasting do not apply the brake too suddenly if you would avoid a bad header if you have a band brake apply it gradually let go of it and in a second apply it again you may use the same method with the spoon brake if it works well and freely the night rider takes the risk of accidents from bad roads or obstructions which may cut his tires or otherwise injure his machine or himself but there is no denying the strange fascination of night riding as you swoop through the darkness like a hawk unable to see the slight possible dangers that lie in wait for your wheel and so perforce relieved of all responsibility for your own safety you experience an eerie sensation which must be akin to that which the old new england witch enjoyed as she sped on her broomstick through the cloudy night to a symposium of the black man's disciples on dark nights always carry a lantern observe carefully the law of the road that is on meeting a carriage or another wheelman keep to the right in passing to the left if you will do this even although it may not be absolutely necessary you will avoid the responsibility of accidents if you ride in the dark ring the bell freely after much conflict it may now be considered as settled law throughout the united states that the bicycle is a vehicle and that its rider is possessed of the same rights and charged with the same duties so far as these are applicable to him as the driver of any other vehicle in the summer of eighteen ninety four the legislature of massachusetts passed and the governor of the state approved june fourteen and quote, act to regulate the use of bicycles and other similar vehicles end quote, it being understood that the act had the approval of the league of american wheelmen by the terms of the fifth section of the act it was taken out of the power of local boards such as the street commissioners of towns and cities to prohibit the use of the wheel in the public thoroughfares a power which had at times been harshly not to say unjustly used as the massachusetts act may probably be made the foundation of similar acts in other states it is printed below in full for the information of cyclers in massachusetts and elsewhere footnote chapter four hundred seventy nine of the acts of eighteen ninety four section one whoever without the permit provided for in section three of this act rides in a public highway or townway street square or park a bicycle or tricycle at a rate of speed exceeding ten miles an hour or rides such machine on a sidewalk or rides such machine in the streets squares or parks of any city when the same is not provided with a suitable alarm bell adapted for use by the rider or after sunset rides the same in any public way square or park whether within or without the limits of a city when such a machine is not provided with such suitable alarm bell shall be punished by fine not exceeding twenty dollars for each offence and shall be further liable for all damages occasioned to any person by such unlawful act section two the term sidewalk as used in this act shall mean any sidewalk laid out as such by a city town or fire district 
and any walk in a city or village which is reserved by custom for the use of pedestrians, or which has been specially prepared for their use. It shall not include crosswalks, nor shall it include footpaths on portions of public ways lying outside of the thickly settled parts of cities and towns, which are worn only by travel, and are not improved by such cities or towns, or by abutters. The terms bicycle and tricycle, as used in this act, shall be deemed to include all vehicles propelled by the person riding the same, by foot or hand power. The terms park and square, as used in this act, shall not include any spaces under the control of park commissioners, or of a park board or a special park department of a town or city having power to make regulations relative to such spaces, and this act shall not in any way abridge the powers of such commissioners, board or department. Section 3. The mayor of a city or select men of a town may, in their discretion, upon any special occasion, grant permits to any person or persons to ride such machines during a specified time upon specified portions of the public ways of such city or town at any rate of speed, and may annex such other reasonable conditions to such permits as they shall deem proper. The city council of a city and the select men of a town may also, under such conditions as they deem proper, permit the use of velocipedes or other similar machines by children on any sidewalk in any public way, square, or park in such city or town. Section 4. Proceedings for the enforcement of the penalties imposed by this Act shall be instituted within sixty days from the time the offense is committed. Section 5. No city or town shall have any power to make any ordinance, by-law, or regulation respecting the use of bicycles or tricycles, except as provided in Section 3 of this Act, and, except as provided in said Section 3, no ordinance, by-law, or regulation heretofore or hereafter made by a city or town in respect to bicycles or tricycles shall have any force or effect." the liberty bill so called enacted by the legislature of new york in june eighteen eighty seven and which has been substantially reenacted in several other states provided that quote, commissioners trustees or other authorities having charge or control of the highways or park driveways end quote, of central park quote, shall have no power or authority to pass, enforce, or maintain any ordinance, rule, or regulation by which any person using a bicycle or tricycle shall be excluded or prohibited from the free use of any of the park highways or driveways at any time when the same is open to the free use of persons using other pleasure carriages. End quote. End footnote. It is a pretty custom, on meeting another wheelman, to ring him a salute on your bell. If, in a rapid roading, you are confronted by a sudden danger, you must decide on the instant how you will meet it. If you hesitate, you are lost. If you believe you can stop in season to avoid it, you will of course do so. But if you cannot stop, do not slacken speed, except in the case that you have to avoid an impact with some solid obstacle. A fast wheel will skim through, sometimes almost on a plank's edge, where a slow one will go down. 
if you have a narrow passage which you must make, do not think how narrow it is, but rather how much room it affords. Sight for the middle line of it, keep cool and steer straight and push hard, and ten chances to one you will be all right. If you hesitate and let the bicycle lose speed and wobble, you will certainly come to grief. In setting out for a ride, see always that the nuts about the saddle connections and at the axle hubs are tight, and that the head is firmly clamped to the fork. If, on the road, the saddle begins to slip under you, check speed, and if necessary, rise on the pedals, keeping a firm grip on the handles. If the head turns in the tube while you are riding at a good pace, you will get a fall so quickly that you will not know what throws you. Bicycle falls seldom result seriously, but if you find that you must fall, stay to the right, throw the right foot off the pedal, keep a good grip on the handles, and the chances are that you and your machine will come up standing. If you run nearly at right angles against some solid obstacle, check speed as much as you can and dismount by the step just as you strike if you keep the saddle you may be thrown forward if you have ruts or street car tracks to cross take them as nearly at right angles as possible if you swerve so as to let your wheels fall into the rut or track you probably will get a bad fall so if you are riding on a badly rutted road you may have to save yourself by zigzagging from one side of it to the other. A very short experience upon the road will teach you that a strong wind, if against you, makes hard work of wheeling, while if it is at your back it equally lessens the labor of propulsion. Your dress should afford as little vantage for the wind as possible, if you would ride easily. So you will wear a cap instead of a hat, and, in a windy day, keep your coat closely buttoned. Among the other disadvantages of the long skirt for ladies is that it catches the wind so readily. The greatest annoyance which besets the cycler on the road is from the attacks of ill-bred dogs, who snap about his pedals and may dart under his wheel and so throw him this is most likely to happen on back-country roads where the inhabitant curs are unused to the sight of the wheel if you are attacked by a dog on a road commonly frequented by wheelmen you may be sure that the animal is vicious and deserves to be put out of the way if you are attacked running downhill throw your feet on to the coasters there will be a happy chance that the pedal will strike the cur on the head and perhaps as has once happened within the knowledge of the writer, fracture his skull. If you can make a flying shot, and are attacked while on the wheel by a vicious dog, intent on biting, shoot him. The law will justify you. Not so dangerous as the dogs, but nearly as annoying, are the flocks of hens or turkeys, which, when frightened by your approach, invariably run in front of your wheel, uttering discordant cries and gobbles. But these neither bark nor bite, and generally manage just to escape being run down. As regards the form and rate of riding, the temperament of the rider counts as a most important factor. A graceful walker will be a graceful rider, 
and a rider who has undergone the military drill will show it upon the wheel almost as much as in walking a nervous man as he is sure to be a fast walker will make a rapid rider and will find it hard to keep a pace of less than twelve miles an hour in ordinary roading indeed in cycling nerve counts as much as muscle or even more most of the riders who have made great records on the race track have combined to an unusual degree the qualities of alertness daring and quickness of perception to see and take advantage of an instant's opportunity study a group of their photographs and you will see a set of clean-cut alert faces firm-set mouths and keen eyes the figures do not show excessive muscular development rather litheness and grace for example you will not find a more beautiful figure in its way than that of zimmerman on his wheel but it has the beauty not so much of a hercules as of the flying mercury thus it is impossible to prescribe for any one a rate for road riding you will find your wheel answer to your feeling as much as if it were a part of your own nervous system and your temperament will govern your pace when you are sluggish and weary your wheel will drag under you as the fresh air and rapid motion enliven you your wheel will seem to feel a new impulse experience will soon teach you your pace and you will find that taking one run with another you make an average hour rate which will not much vary from day to day you will find it hard particularly if you are of a nervous disposition to conform your own pace to the different pace of another it is like trying to row behind an oar whose style and stroke are different from your own your tastes and feelings may be perfectly congenial and you may be the best of chums off the wheel but if your companion on the road for a long run customarily rides at eight miles while you ride at twelve you both will soon grow as restive as a pair of ill-matched horses the result may be to develop a certain petulance of temper rather than indulge which you had better agree to differ and each either take his own pace or separate at the first crossroads at the end of the season if you have ridden prudently and otherwise taken good care of yourself you should be in the best possible condition of health and strength able to take a fifty-mile run without appreciable fatigue as your once unaccustomed muscles have developed and hardened by the season's practice in the northern climate you will perforce abandon roading during the winter and when you mount the wheel for the first ride the next season you will probably be appalled and discouraged to find how much strength you have lost but in a comparatively short time the muscles for a time out of use will regain their former elasticity and power and with a couple of weeks steady riding you will regain all you have lost if you are within reach of a riding school be assured that a regular practice there during the off-season say two or three rides each week of half an hour each will not only bring you pleasure in the taking of them but will count greatly to your advantage when you take to the road in the spring. End of chapter 3